Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Sindra Kampoff. And thank you so much for joining me here today on the episode today about flow and how to experience flow more often. I am the founder of the Mentally Strong Institute, keynote speaker and executive performance coach. And I'm just really pumped today to have Dr. Arlene Bauer on the podcast. I know you're going to find this episode really practical but research-based as well. And that's what I really try to do on this podcast is to provide experts and content that you can use in your everyday life that's easy to understand and uh, based on tools and and really, you know, a deep understanding on the research, but really practical tools that you can use in your everyday life. So today's episode does that exactly. Now, today I have Dr. Arlene Bauer on the podcast, and she's an expert in peak performance, whose career includes extensive work in the public sector with professional athletes and top executives at companies like Visa, Google, and IBM, to the private sector where she has directly consulted and trained leaders at NASA, the U.S. Air Force, and the U.S. Army. As a certified mental performance consultant and an associate certified coach with the International Coach Federation. She really works to help people optimize their growth and experience flow under high pressure, high stakes situations. In addition to her consulting work, she is an adjunct faculty member at Grand Canyon University and at National University. And she lives in San Antonio, Texas with her husband, uh, her son, dog, three cats, and her bearded dragon. There you go. Now in this episode, Dr. Arlene and I talk about the intrinsic drivers to the flow state. The STIR acronym and how it relates to flow and how you can use it in your everyday life, the internal and external flow blockers, and various flow triggers. If you'd like to see the full show notes and description of this podcast, head over to syndracampoff.com slash 588 for episode 588. And if you don't have your pen and paper out already, I encourage you to do that because this episode is just jam-packed with useful content, information, research, and ideas that you can use in your work, in your sport, and in your life. Without further ado, let's bring on Dr. Bauer. Dr. Arlene Bauer, thank you so much for joining us on the High Performance Mindset Podcast. I'm just pumped that you're here, and I can't (laughs) wait to experience and, and talk to you more about all of your diverse experiences. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. You bet. Well, I thought maybe we should just get started and dive right in. You know, you've just had such amazing experiences, diverse experiences in the military, with Mm -hmm. executives, with athletes, um, and you've just worked across so many different domains. So I'm curious, what do you see that top performers have in common? Mm, That's a really good question. Um, And as I think about it, there's a few things. One, I think that one of the biggest ones, though, is if you were, I guess, to put things into the category of like intrinsic drivers. So like there's a lot of curiosity, passion, Mm -hmm. um, sense of purpose. You know, those those are things that top performers are connecting to or thinking about in different ways. Um, There's Mm -hmm. obviously stuff, you know, like, you know peak performance hygiene practices, like getting good sleep and and things along those lines. Um, but I, I would say something that is unique would be, you know, they can really speak to 
what they love and why, Mm -hmm. you know, why they're doing something. And I think that takes a lot of reflection, understanding, you know, Mm -hmm. of yourself and kind of peeling back the layers of an onion to really think about what do you love? And I think it's a lifelong journey. Like I think about myself and getting connected to what I love. It's always paying attention to what gives me energy and what doesn't. Yeah, I love that you pointed that out because it makes me think of what do I see people do? You know, they Mm -hmm. a lot of journaling, you know, these Mm -hmm. these introspective practices, um, whether it be, you know, sitting and meditating or or doing some type of journaling. Those are I guess you call them habits like habits that I've seen peak performers have pretty consistently. Um, Yeah, that gives them that that time to self-reflect, like you said. Tell us a little bit about how you got interested in performance psychology and <laughs> your journey to now, you know, doing what you're doing and the various ways that you're a coach. Yeah, I love that question because I feel like it's a funny how I got <laughs> into it. Um, I did play sports, but that wasn't like my thing. Um, I, you know, I, I went to college on scholarship for music, like a choir, I did choir and theater and things like that. Um, and I always kind of struggled with performance anxiety. And that was it, you know, just to try to figure out how to manage it. And so um, when I was an undergrad, I took a sports psychology class as an elective. (laughs) And I was so surprised that there's this field where you can learn how to train all the things that people tell you how to do, like be confident and focus and and, and things like that. Things that I got told, you know, by. Yeah. uh, You know, directors and and coaches and stuff. And I was like, wait, you can train this? (laughs) This is a thing because I was just kind of leaving it up to chance, I think, a lot of times and hoping for the best, you know, every time I stepped out into the stage that you know I wouldn't tank from the mental side. Um, and that's what got me interested. So I went to my advisor and I asked her, I, I was a, um, I, I started out as a biology major and then went into the exercise science. Um, and I asked her, is this something I can do? Like, are there jobs around this? And she yeah. said, yeah, we're going to have to change your major and you're probably going to have to get a master's. Um, so we did, uh, changed it, added some classes, got that done so that I could pursue my master's degree. But that's what got me interested in it. Cause I think because I struggled with performance anxiety and I didn't realize that that was something that you could train the way you train the body. Yeah, absolutely. Who was your professor in that undergrad class? Do you remember? Yes. Um, I called her by her first name. So now I'm going to think uh, Dr. Cindy. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Cindy. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what her last name was now. It was so long ago. Um, but yes, Dr. Cindy. Well, thank goodness for Dr. Cindy. <laughs> I know. Yeah. She was when so I was, supportive. Oh, that's awesome. When I was um, pursuing my interest in, in performance psychology, I remember a lot of people telling me at the time, you know, there's no way that you can um, get a have a job in this profession, you know, <laughs> and obviously things have changed over the last 20 years or so. And thank yeah. goodness it has. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I didn't well, have t- anybody tell me that. Um, but I also, you know, I didn't think about it. <laughs> Maybe that was a good <laughs> thing. Maybe if I had thought about it, I wouldn't have done it. Um, but yeah. I, I did not. So I just went for it. <laughs> well, you are following your passion and yeah, your true. purpose and what gives you energy and being curious. So there you go. Um, Today, we're really going to focus in on this idea of flow, and I'm really excited to talk to you more about the research behind it, but also how you 
work with your clients and because I think the people who are listening are going to really be interested in the practical side of flow and Mm -hmm. how do we experience it more often? What are the barriers that get in our way of flow? Mm -hmm. And how about we just define it to get started? Um, And I've read quite a bit of Csikszent Mihai's work uh, who started this concept of flow, but Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear from your perspective on what flow means to you and how would you put it in your own words? Yeah, I Csikszent Mihai's definition is the one I always go to, that complete absorption in a task. Um, I also love the STIR acronym, that loss of sense of self and time and effort and then richness of experience. Those are the two places I go to when I'm describing it. Um, Something else that we talk about a lot, like at the Flow Research Collective, is that those that complete absorption is associated with specific changes in the brain and that's really cool to think Mm -hmm. about um so that's basic definition that's how i would define it and then um one of the things that we do is we talk about some of those changes that happen because it gives people um some explanation like why does that happen (laughs) you know what's going on how do you get that complete absorption and loss of sense of self and time um what's happening there and there there are some things happening there that contribute to that experience and i'm curious about maybe let's start with the stir acronym Mm -hmm. Uh, for those people who aren't familiar maybe haven't read their research familiar with the the flow about that stir acronym and how maybe people could use that in their own lives Okay, sorry, cut out just a second, but I think I did it. Heard. Yeah, okay. I don't know if it's mine. Okay, well, 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 yeah. I, well, I just put my hotspot on because I was like, uh, just wondering if it was mine. So it obviously we'll mine. cut this part out. Yes, we could be yeah. mine, uh, Cinder, because I have, anyway, backstory. Okay, okay. They're doing some construction and it could be affecting it. Anyway, I just asked about the STIR yeah. acronym and like, hey, d- let's debrief that a little bit more. Maybe I just asked yeah. the question just to mm-hmm. make sure it's on the recording. So um Arlene, just in case people aren't familiar with the STIR acronym, tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about that and let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah. So those are whenever you're experiencing flow, um, I like to think about them as and I'm sure others, you know, have ways of explaining this too, as these indicators that of flow. Um, So a lot of folks that we work with that I work with are interested in flow and they're like, how do I know, (laughs) you know, that I was in that I was in flow and not just, you know, zoned out. Um, And so. If, if you can look back to it and and reflect on the experience and say there was some loss of sense of self and that I did lose track of time and effort, things became effortless, actually, you mm-hmm. know, it seemed effortless and the experience was rich, you know, in the form mm-hmm. of like your senses, um, you know, mm-hmm. what you're seeing and feeling in the body. Um, so when those are dialed up, then the, that's those are the things that tell us that we were in that flow state. Um, So a lot of times what I'll talk to people about if they're trying to be more aware of when flow is happening for them um, because they want to work on bringing it into other situations. We probably have, we all have um, kind of areas where flow comes a little bit more naturally. (laughs) And so we can look to those and and, um, describe those. uh, but if you can reflect on those and identify, yeah, those are some things that happened. And what was the scale, you know, that they happened on? Um, was it a little bit more micro or was it macro? Um, that can be really awesome to reflect on because then what we can do is say, okay, well, what was it about that experience <laughs> that that helped me have that loss of sense of self and time and effort and richness of experience? What did I do, you know, before I started that thing that helped contribute to that? 
Um, so those are some ways that I talk about it with clients. Excellent. So loss of self, time, effortless, and richness of experience. Mm-hmm. And as we kind of dive into why does this even matter? Mm. Um, because I think that's really important when you think about what are the outcomes of flow, what, and we, we, you know, before we jumped on, we talked about all the different types of research that flow is connected to, Mm -hmm. um, chronic pain, spirituality, PTSD, but as people Mm -hmm. are thinking about, okay, why should we keep listening to this podcast? Right. (laughs) Um, how does the flow experience connect with like our success in sport business or other domains? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there's the outcome pieces, which some folks are doing research on. There's a, there's still a lot, you know, that we're trying to figure out, you know, with flow. Uh, but um, people being able to experience more productivity and getting more done yeah. in less time. And I can say just anecdotally, you know, from <laughs> the probably now like hundreds of people that I've gotten to coach on the topic um, is that those are the things that they say. They're like, oh, I noticed that I I have time back in my week because things I'm so locked in and I'm so productive on what I'm doing. I'm using the word productive. You know, sometimes it's they're more creative, you know, it's tied to um, what their work is. But that's what I hear from folks is they 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 see the difference in their week um, because they're checking things off that list that would linger there a lot of times for longer um, and getting time back in their day and their week. Well, I think everyone would like more of that, yeah, <laughs> right? especially people <laughs> who are high performers who are listening to this podcast. Hundred um, percent. And you mentioned yeah. absolutely. You mentioned how you know there are some changes in the brain, and let's kind of mm-hmm. let's let's just talk a little bit more about that. And can you share with us, you know, the neurobiology of flow and just what does happen in our brain? Because that might get people just more even interested in what we're talking about and and really right. understanding the outcomes. Yeah, there is, um, you know, these, there's a set of neurochemicals that we've been able to identify. I say we, you know, I didn't do the research myself, but the researchers have identified you get um, kind of this burst of norepinephrine and dopamine. I think there's, there's five. So norepinephrine, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and anandamide. So just a combination of those. So those are like, if we were looking at a brain, um, which this is something that the team, the research team at FRC is, is trying to actually measure what's happening in the brain um, in when you're in a flow state. So when you get into flow, you know, that's something that you see uh, happen. And then there you, you're kind of shifting through different brainwave states, um, to get into flow and really in flow, there's probably, there's a combination, um, of all with different frequencies. Um, I don't know what the frequency numbers are, (laughs) but I know that they're, you know, they're there. Um, and so it is this very unique state that you can, that you can see in the brain, which I think is pretty cool. What, what makes that helpful is that the steps leading up to it. And that's something we talk about it the Flow Research Collective a lot is, well, what do you play with before and after that helps you get, you know, to that state? So we talk about the stages of the flow cycle. Um, The first stage being struggle, then release, then flow, and then recovery. And that's where we spend our time with folks is, is how do you manage those stages that help you get to that flow state? Mm. 
struggle, release, flow, recovery. Tell Mm -hmm. us how we might be able to use those four stages in our own life and uh, in our experience in getting in the flow. Yeah. So struggle phase is, I love this idea of a struggle phase and most of our people that we talk to love it too, because Mm -hmm. they're like, wow, it's so refreshing to know that I shouldn't be struggling. Yeah. You know, when you take, <laughs> I'm on, not alone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you start something that like, say, say it's something that you're, you're doing at work and you sit down to your computer and you're, you're feeling that challenge. So that's, you know, chick sent me highs challenge to skills balance. Like you got to be in that, ch- that mm-hmm. slow channel of challenge. Um, that's good. You know, if you're feeling challenged, you're feeling pushed a little bit. Um, there's something happening, you know, when that happens, you get into this kind of alert state, beta brain waves happen, you do get some of that norepinephrine. Um, so you get this uptick. And then when you're struggling, you have this moment. Now, sometimes, sometimes release is like you have to actually stop what you're doing and take a breath and sit back and, and let let those neurochemicals that were happening, let something else arise, which is usually nitric oxide, kind of a bursts of nitric oxide to bring that down a bit. Um, So sometimes it's very much this, like I'm struggling and now I need to step away and take a breath. And sometimes it's, it's so much smaller than that. Like I'm struggling and I'm like, okay, I've got this. It's that Mm -hmm. self-talk that we know so much about in our field. Yeah, exactly. we, We lean into it and that, that gives us that burst as well. So there's a there's a couple of ways that release phase happens. Um, like I said, sometimes it's very intentional and sometimes it's more of I'm leaning into this. Uh, and after that is where we tend to see flow show up is after those two phases. After the release and the struggle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then what's the recovery? Tell us why we need to sort of like have that recovery stage after flow. Oh my goodness. And this is the one we spend so much time on this at FRC because most people don't do enough of recovery at all um, or they don't do it well. (laughs) Um, But to your question, why is it so important uh, to flow specifically? I would say it's important because people don't do it enough. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But to, to the point about flow, flow, while it's an amazing state, it's high energy expenditure. And even though it doesn't, you know, you usually, if you come out of a flow experience, you feel great and maybe you want to keep doing other things. And and instead, what you should do is do something that is recovery um, because all that that just happened in the body, it needs, it's like a running a sprint and, and you need to recover afterwards. Um, so engaging in something that down-regulates, you know, the nervous system that lets the mind wander um, it just takes you out of that, you know, active state. So that could be going for a walk. That could yeah. be just relaxing uh, for a little while. What else would you recommend? Because I, a lot of my executive clients, I, I talk about like how we need to recover like a pro athlete, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, I do a lot of work in football and there's no way they can play well on Sunday if they've they're completely exhausted, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. And we do have, um, so the first place we tend to recommend because we know it, it, it does help create a cognitive shift and it downregulates the system is anything that is embodied. So stretching, walking, Mm. foam rolling. Um, I have a little mat that, um, does acupressure on your feet. That's my go-to. I go stand on that, you know, in between meetings and things like that. great. Yeah. So anything that pulls you out of your head and into your body, Um, because it helps to create that cognitive shift and a physiological shift. Those are kind of the two things that you're going for. So really, I mean, you know, lots of activities could do those two things, but we know that those embodied activities do a pretty good job of it. 
Um, so we recommend those a lot. So let's talk about how do we increase our experience of, you know, of feeling the flow. And I'm thinking about, for me, I'm writing another book, so I'd like to experience flow more often. You Oh, know? yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. um, I'll yeah. have to add it. I already have your other book. It's awesome. <laughs> I'll Oh, be thank excited you. to read the next one. I appreciate it. Uh, but that's for sure when I want to experience it more often. <laughs> Um, but also in my work with my own clients, you know, it just yeah. all the ways that I perform. But let's dive into how. Um, tell us a bit about maybe where you'd start if you're working with someone to increase their chances of experiencing flow. Yeah. Yeah. So the first place that we start and that I start, um, and this this can be quick or it can be long, depending on, you know, the individual, um, is addressing anything that could be getting in the way of flow. So that tends to be stuff in your external environment, you know, because like for flow, you're you need to be focused in, you know, you need to have clear goal, you need to be free of distraction. And so there's a lot of cleaning up of the environment that happens, um, especially for people nowadays who work from home. Um, Mm. there's so much potential for interruption. <laughs> yes. and it sounds like such a simple thing, but not an easy you know, thing to solve for. It, it, it involves, you know, talking to people and turning off doorbells and like things, all kinds of things that can that can create an interruption. Um, so that's Their a place phones. that we start. There's, oh, my gosh. We we usually actually um, we give people um, kind of instructions for how to turn off everything on their phone and commit to it for two weeks and see what happens. And it's amazing what a difference it makes for for people. Um, yeah, it's it's wild. The amount the amount of time people get back just from turning off notifications, you know, during the day. Uh, so they're not getting disrupted. Uh, oh, also Slack. Slack's a big one that at least my the I don't know if the folks you work with, Sandra, but the folks I work with, that's a big one that is a disruptor. Um, so that and And to that point, like people, when they have meetings and things like that, they they tend to be really um, peppered, you know, throughout the day. So collapsing things into chunks, so kind of chunking your time. So there's a lot of like logistical things that you can do. And then there's the internal side. You know, what are the things that um, might be getting in the way of you having that loss of sense of self? You know, sometimes our mindset, which I, you know, I know you talk a lot about mindset, like that can... we start judging ourselves or, or we go into the experience thinking, how am I going to do? And um, so there could be things around mindset or confidence um, that, that you, that we work with people on as well um, so that they can fully get into flow. We call all of those things flow blockers. So let's remove all the blockers. Sure. Sure. And then once we Yeah. remove the blockers, then we can think about how do I navigate that cycle? We got to give Mm hmm space for that cycle That's great. first. Yeah. When I think about my flow blockers and I think about when I was writing my first book, um, you know, there was thoughts I would I would have that I was like, no one's ever going to read this anyway. Why, why am I writing? No, <laughs> which I think is pretty Yeah. common. Uh, there's a lot of first time authors Yeah. Oh, I've yeah. talked to since then that it's like, yeah, you, you Mm -hmm. wonder, you know, because you're focused on the outcome and not Right. necessarily the process. And I'm I for my experience, that's been a flow blocker when I'm focusing Mm. in on, you know, the athletes I work with, if they're focusing on the score Right. or their numbers on on the field. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Or for me, it's yeah, who, who will read this? Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, so you would then then the different 
tools and strategies, you know, come into play based off of, you know, what is a person's flow blocker, like that self-doubt or like who, you know, who cares about this, um, having practices related to the flow triggers, you know, what are, if you think about like a clear goal, okay, what is your clear goal? And is it related to the process? Okay. Um, you know, what do you want to have accomplished by the end of this 90 minutes or two hours, however long you're, you're working on the task for, um, so getting people more kind of task oriented. Yes. Yeah. So versus the ego orientation. Um, so get different ways to do that. It's funny that you brought up writing because I've had some folks who are writers and um, I'll often introduce to them pre-performance routines um, and sure. and they say, oh my gosh, I never thought to use that. You know, I did that when I was an athlete, never thought to apply it to my work, but it it helps to be more task oriented. Um, so the, the strategies will vary, you know, but um, some of them, they kind of align with what triggers the flow for us. So let's um, use maybe um, hypothetical client that you work with, or if you can just okay. think generally of people that you work with, what do you see as the the biggest barriers or flow blockers? And then let's just take one example and how you might work with somebody around that. Mm -hmm. Definitely biggest flow blockers. In there's there's always I don't know it's probably a tie between like stuff in the external environment, sure. And and then actually what you describe, like that worrying about how, you know, how I'm how I'm doing or how I'm going to be perceived or how this work is going to be perceived. Um, let me just think for a moment. Mm -hmm. If there's any others that would be really common. I would think those are the two and those are two we target, you know, at FRC, we talk about mindset and talk about the external environment. So those are big ones. Um, so the external environment is just like giving people a protocol, like here's some ways here how to manage that. Um, and then with that kind of worrying about, you know, how is this going to turn out? Um, techniques, yes, for a, kind of getting more task oriented, but then also just thinking about what's driving that, you know, are there some mm -hmm. beliefs that you have, sure. we do talk about fixed and growth mindset, and we very okay. specifically talk yeah. about what what are the what do those beliefs sound like for you? Mm. Uh, you know, limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. What are what are some of those? I've had, I'll have clients write down like what pops into your head right now. Like some write them down. Let's write them down. Okay, let's ex let's think about how we shift that mindset and different ways. You know, to do that, I like to do journaling a lot with folks, like noticing. Um, doing yeah. some mindset detection. Like, what do you hear? How do you, what does it sound like? What does that mindset sound like when you talk to yourself and start to recognize it? And when you yeah. recognize it, what, what do you want to shift it to? So there's some kind of long-term work yes. <laughs> on addressing that. And then some of those in the moment strategies that can be helpful, like clear goals and routines, but they all have to, they all have to be, you know, worked on you can't do you can't just do pre-performance routines i don't think without addressing well what's driving that um, yeah and the deeper beliefs or limitations right i appreciate that you said like most of the barriers and blockers are like internal and external yeah right and that's what i would say for myself as well as i think about my experience of getting in get experiencing flow more often um that it's you know the kind of deeper things I have to continue to keep addressing. So we all have limiting beliefs that can get in yeah. our way. Yeah. What, um, as people are thinking about their own blockers to flow, 
Mm And you said like phones can be a big uh, barrier. Do you have any recommendations that, you know, you could just say, hey, make sure you turn off notifications, make sure, -hmm. Yeah. you know, is there anything else that you'd recommend? Sometimes I put my phone down so I can't see the top of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We do uh, the mechanics of, of a, a, a period of time where you want to um, experience flow. So like for you, Cinder, if you're sitting down to write, deciding how much time that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yes, I would say even putting your phone in a different room. Um, so you can't see it. I think it was Adam Grant that said, even if it's all notifications are off, if it's in your line of sight, he talked about yeah. this in his podcast, that it can still be a distraction um, and a pretty big one. So get you know getting rid of all of that having conversations with people, you know, please don't interrupt. And I have to do that with my kiddo, especially if I'm working while he's at home. (laughs) I'm like, Hey, I just need a few minutes only if it's an emergency. Um, And we have to talk about what an emergency is sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's kind of stuff. And then if you think about the, if I go back to stir, like loss of sense of time, I actually like to um, use a timer that I can't see. So like if I, because I, I can't just work if I get into flow, I mean, sometimes people can be there for a while. Um, and most of the people I work with are have other responsibilities. They've got meetings I got to go to. They've got kids I got to pick up from school. So they need to have time. Um, but to kind of get that loss of sense of time, if you can have a timer that goes off, it's not visible. Yeah. Uh, so that can be a really cool thing to, all right, I'm going to work for these two hours and I'm not going to get up until I hear that timer go off, but you don't see it. Um, so that can give you a little bit of... Um, more focus on what you're doing mm-hmm. and then setting a clear intention not uh, on, okay, but at the end of this two hours, what am I going to reflect on? Um, it could be a word count. You know, it could be if it okay. is as straightforward as that. Um, you know, if I, I, I also work with other coaches, like maybe they have an intention in their coaching session that they want to be focused on maintaining presence. How are they okay. going to do that? What are the components to that? Um, so, you know, like in ICF, they have like, here's some ways that you can demonstrate maintaining presence. Maybe they pick one of those. Um, so a clear goal or intention. Uh, so cleaning up the environment, clear goal intention, trying to create that, um, loss of sense of time, um, and self. So the clear goals and intentions, you know, can help you be more task oriented or more other oriented. Like if you're coaching, what are you noticing about the other person? Um, to get mm. some of that loss of sense of self in there as well. Uh, and then whatever your mm. intention is, is it slightly challenging? Because that's yeah. something that can push us into flow is to be a little bit challenged. Hi, this is Cindra Kampoff, and thanks for listening to the High Performance Mindset. Did you know that the ideas we share in the show are things we actually specialize in implementing? If you want to become mentally stronger, lead your team more effectively, and get to your goals quicker. Visit freementalbreakthroughcall.com to sign up for your free mental breakthrough call with one of our certified coaches. Again, that's freementalbreakthroughcall.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. What do you see as the outcome of the clients that you work with, you know, in terms of training the flow experience and our ability to get in it, what do you see them? I mean, you said more productivity. Is there Mm -hmm. anything else you'd say? Yeah, um, there's definitely more productivity. And people, I hear people say a lot. So again, this is anecdotal, um, just my experience. People say a lot, 
that they just feel better. Like they feel less overwhelmed, right. Yes. <laughs> which is huge, yeah. especially, yeah. you know, with, we, I mean, we just kind of live in the state of overwhelm sometimes. <laughs> so people say they feel more overwhelmed. Uh, and then there's these trickle down effects. You know, they, I've had people say, you know, I'm noticing I'm getting more time to be present with my family um, or present with the things that I love like to do. Uh, you know, a lot of times people have these activities that they they let go of because they're so overwhelmed or they have too much to do and they bring those back, um, which I think is really amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. And happiness is a big deal, right? If you can help yeah. people feel less stressed and anxious and overwhelmed and happier and more content, more present, I think more than ever, there's just yeah. all these different demands on our time and our attention. So yeah, mm-hmm. wonderful. I I remember a couple of years ago at our Association for Applied Sports Psychology um, conference, I was having a conversation with a practitioner and, and he suggested that we shouldn't train people to get in the flow because maybe mm-hmm. it can come and go so often. Yeah. Um, like it can be fleeting if that's, if that makes sense. I'm just curious right. how you might respond to that. Yeah, I, that's, it makes sense that if, if it's something that's fleeting, it could feel like, um, mm-hmm. um, unnecessary, I guess, to some people to try to like train that state. Uh, but the way I think about it is like, you, you never control the outcome of performance, for example, like you can do right. everything you want to do and you don't. So it's more about, it's more about yeah. creating that experience of, of presence and, you know, if you think about the flow cycle and the flow triggers, like they're all they're all things that bring you more into the moment. Um, so if, right. it, if it is about that, um, which is, yeah. like I said, a lot of what we talk about with folks is those pieces, um, then that's worthwhile, I think. Yeah, that's worthwhile. And I think about the flow triggers and what you've just said about, you know, what flow really is. And it's mm-hmm. who doesn't want to experience that more often. And it's really just us being at our best. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That we remove some of these external and internal blockers. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Dr. Bauer, what do you, <laughs> when you're thinking about mindset in general or flow, is there something specific that you hear yourself saying over and over again? I'm just curious mm. about that. If there's a go-to phrase or concept that you talk a lot about, and we could stay focused on flow or we could just, you know, move towards, yeah. you know, your more comprehensive work. Yes. Okay. Love that question. Um, and it is, there is a flow trigger to this, but something I talk to people about a lot, I feel like I say a lot is, um, incorporating reflection and or Mm -hmm. feedback i kind of use different different terms for that um i've noticed that sometimes not sometimes a lot of times people don't have immediate feedback process and it just makes sense in the way that you know we work there's you get you really get like summative feedback a lot of times yeah um, but not this immediate feedback um and so that's something I talk to people and feedback is a flow trigger. Um, but uh, even outside of flow, you know, science of expertise, that's one of the components as well. Um, so I find myself coaching people a lot on, well, what would it look like to have more immediate feedback and how do you bring that in? Um, and a lot of it is, is you, you know, if you're setting a clear goal and intention, what are you, how, what are you reflecting on? Um, Mm -hmm. and it's for the purpose of, 
progress, you know, not for judgment. So there's conversations and questions we have to ask there um, to make sure we're viewing this as something that is data. <laughs> it's data right. for, to adjust. And I use sport yeah. examples a lot. You know, if you're playing basketball in the driveway and you shoot and you miss, you're going to adjust your body some way. <laughs> right. So we can take that same mindset to how we work as well. So I would say that one is one that I talk about a lot, maybe just because I like it. (laughs) Maybe I introduce it um, to people a lot of times, but it's a question I ask, you know, what kind of immediate feedback do you have? And I've noticed that people don't have a lot of immediate. They might have a lot of, like I said, summative feedback, but not not immediate. Well, when I think about you know, the dimensions of flow that Chexik Mihai, um, mm-hmm. and if people aren't familiar with his name, he's the founder of, of just this concept of flow. You know, it, one is immediate feedback. Mm-hmm. And I think people might have the assumption that has to come from other people, like a coach right. or a boss. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that you just said that it can come from you, paying mm-hmm. attention to what's going on with you and staying more focused on the process of what you're doing than the outcome. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How has this um, understanding of, you know, your involvement in the Flow Research Collective and just your more, more of your understanding of the Flow experience, how has that shaped you? Because I could um, imagine as I'm listening that um, maybe you're more present or more connected. I was just kind of curious about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's what I love that you asked that because it when I started working with FRC, I thought, wow, this is so cool to like apply these things in a different way. You know, they're... Um, I, you know, I knew about flow, learned about it in, in grad school. <laughs> right. yeah, yep. Introduced to it. But this whole idea that, so where I got, I guess I got most influence, this whole idea that you can take some actions that can help uh, you experience flow more instead of it like being as fleeting as it, you know, it can be sometimes. Um, that's been huge for me. So a lot of the things that, you know, we which we should coach our clients. Um, I I do for myself as well, like turning things off and having, you know, distractions gone away and doing journaling. And I have my own, you know, meditation practice. Um, So all of those things that would be, um, I think sometimes we call it like flow hygiene. (laughs) If you do those things, Um, I'm a lot more intentional about it than I was previously, I think. Absolutely. When I think about the flow experience, maybe one of the things that could get in our way of experiencing it or get in our own head, right? So where we become more self-conscious is uh-huh. this idea of failure. Yeah. And I'm, you know, usually Dr. Bauer, I ask everybody on the podcast, tell us about a time you failed and what you learned from it. Uh-huh. And I'm curious about how you might answer that. And if, you know, it's connected to what we've been talking about so far. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- Gosh, just one time I failed. I know. <laughs> the time lot. you failed last week. <laughs> yeah. Now and now, like I failed in so many different domains. Now, now I can add parenting to that. <laughs> I know, <laughs> which I think talking. is the hardest domain in my oh opinion. My <laughs> yes, um, that's such a good question. So I do think my relationship to failure has changed over the years. Um, initially, it was something I tried to avoid <laughs> at yeah. all costs, and it was. You know, I would I would say I was probably more fixed mindset before I had labels or language for that when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and so I've I've grown in that over time. Um, let's think of a, specific, a good specific time where I've failed. Oh, gosh. 
Well, this one came to me and it gave me kind of a visceral reaction. Um, I went back to school for my doctorate, having not been in school for a while. And one of the phases, like transitioning from your coursework into dissertation, is you had to write kind of this a paper that had certain outcomes for it, but was addressing a lot of the stuff that we had learned. Um, and I submitted it and they told me I had to redo it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that I was way off base. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, this is like, I'm not going to, you know, all the negative thoughts of like, am I going to be, I can't even write this paper. How am I going to write a dissertation? That's <laughs> 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 my initial thought. But, I, you know, I had been in school for a while. And so I just had to take a lot of deep breaths. And I'm like, okay, if I'm going to move on to the next phase, I have to figure out what yeah. I did wrong here. So I took the feedback. I got a lot mm -hmm. of feedback. Um, and it was, now I can look back to that. And, and view it as I did become a better writer after that. Um, it just helped me key into, okay, here, here's, here's everything that you missed and, and you can, you actually can improvement because the next, the second time I submitted it, I got wildly different feedback. I did focus a lot on um, incorporating it. So I think it was a good lesson of with, so coming back to feedback, it's funny that that came full circle for me here just now. Um, with the right type of feedback, you know, you can really take any failure and, and gain something from it, um, gain some type of learning from it. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I was thinking about a similar experience I had in grad school too. My first, um, maybe this is just, it has to happen to you in graduate school, right? <laughs> Where um, My first draft of my dissertation, I had one of my advisors just rip it apart. I mean, it was like <laughs> five pages written feedback and I remember calling my dad and just, you know, I remember the exact moment I was in my garage. I just got home and, you know, I'm like, I just don't think I can do this, you know, and, and I, I felt kind of like a victim, like, you know, who does she think she is giving me all this feedback, you know, <laughs> and my dad was like, um, she's, you know, she's the person who you have to like get approval <laughs> to finish yeah. this dissertation. And you know what? Arlene, my dissertation was so much better because mm -hmm. of the feedback that I got. And it took a, yeah. more time than I expected. And I ended up delaying my, gra my own graduation six months, but it was an awesome dissertation uh, that I'm really proud of. And I don't think it would have got there without that feedback. Mm. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But it felt, it felt like a really big failure at the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What have I not asked you about flow or your work that you'd like to share with us? Okay, let me think for a moment. Hmm. How do you keep it going? That's yeah. a question I get from clients a lot. Yeah, we haven't talked about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, so having... I guess it, I guess it would be feedback, maybe not necessarily, but just check-ins, whether that's, you know, a mentor or a teacher, or just, you know, we have a lot of folks who end up connecting with each other and then, and then checking in with each other once every other month or something like that, just to be able to keep those habits going that help them, you know, experience flow. So whether it's journaling or getting rid of distraction, um, and understanding that there is going to be steps backwards. We're just human beings. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna fall victim to the phone or to distraction, and that's okay. Um, yeah. 
So I think that's a huge component of keeping the habits going too, is like giving yourself grace when habits fall off um, and, and just and reintroducing them. Um, so I think a community, somebody, another person can really be helpful um, with that piece. Absolutely. Well, how can people reach out to you, follow along um, with what you're doing? Tell us how people might be able to connect with you after this interview. Oh, sure. Um, I'm always on LinkedIn and I actually get a lot of people connecting with me there. Um, so that's probably the easiest. I'm not a big social media person with other. Um, I've tried. I've tried to do like Twitter and Instagram. I'm not very good at it. Um, so I forget to check them. <laughs> <laughs> But LinkedIn, I check. Uh, so that would be a good place to find me. Perfect. And I'll put your link in the show notes. Perfect. What final advice would you have for people who are listening, Dr. Bauer? Mm, good question. Final advice. I would say connect with your why. Mm. And prioritize recovery connect with your why and prioritize <laughs> recovery excellent mm -hmm. excellent and i'm gonna do my best to summarize what we talked about today um at the top of the interview i asked you what you know do you see that top performers do and you said they have these intrinsic drivers that are really mm -hmm. they're connected with such as their why their purpose mm -hmm. their their passion their curiosity um, and then they have these sort of like hygiene, right? Like they get yes. good sleep. Um, we talked about what flow is, complete absorption in the task. And you use the acronym STIR to help mm -hmm. us think about um, what flow really is. We discussed these external and internal blockers to flow and how usually it's kind of a mix of both of them. Mm -hmm. uh, to address, to experience flow more often. We were talking about the neurobiology of flow, what to do with your phone, put it away, <laughs> put it in the other room, <laughs> turn off notifications on your email and on your phone. And then at the end, we were talking about um, reflection, feedback, how that's really important, and just continuing to have more of a growth mindset when failure occurs. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Bauer, thank you so much for just connecting with us today, sharing your wisdom um, that you, you know, you, you have over just a wide variety of domains and experiences. So thanks for uh, being with us today. It was, you're just so grace, graceful. <laughs> I really appreciate Thank you, that. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Way to go for finishing another episode of the High Performance Mindset. I'm giving you a virtual fist pump. Holy cow, did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, remember to subscribe and you can head over to Dr. Sindra for show notes and to join my exclusive community for high performers where you get access to videos about mindset each week. So again, you can head over to Dr. Sindra, that's D-R-C-I-N-D-R-A dot com. See you next week.